Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Is there peace in running? Well, we're going to discuss that today. And then I'm going to share my thoughts on how to fit in all of those things we have to do. That's always a problem, right? And then, of course, back in the studio, back in his rightful spot to discuss these topics and a lot more. He's Run for God founder Mitchell Hollis. You know, Dean, I, um, somebody posted a class last week. You know, we're starting to get coaches and instructors posting their classes now. And the description, I was reading the description, I was like, man, that sounds familiar. It's your introduction to the podcast. Which goes perfect as a description for a 5K challenge. So I thought that, so you should feel honored that somebody used your, uh, that, your pretty... intro as their description for their class. So, uh, yeah, we were good. we were on vacation last week. Yeah. We always go to, to Mexico Beach, Florida for Thanksgiving. Been doing that ever since I've known Holly, really, or ever since we started dating. Um, her family's down there, always down there for Thanksgiving. And it's a lot of, a lot of fishing, a lot of food. And this year it was a 5K yeah which i have not done in in many years and it hurt i forgot how bad they hurt yeah to to really try to push i had a goal in mind i wanted to run sub 24 for my first run back i ran 25 25 i was pretty disgusted <laughs> when i because I, I everything that we teach everything that i know went out the window in that first quarter mile i had all these 10 year olds in front of me and i was like you know you can't let those guys beat you and i looked down and my pace was just blistering and it just went south from there but hey i got a baseline now right that's right i got a baseline to work from got a place to start from (laughs) and that's important but yeah i forgot about the the blood lung and just the all the i mean you can try to replicate that on a track but there's just nothing like it you get out there to that two two and a half mile mark and you feel like your whole world's crumbling down around you and (laughs) well and i shared with you that when i had started back to running i hadn't run a race in probably 10 years Mm -hmm. at at this point and uh, i'd run off and on but not much running and so i decided i'm going to start running again and I, i that my first run back it was the same thing i just i thought well i can run at this pace and i went out at that pace and then i couldn't run at that pace and uh yeah i missed mine by about a minute and a half as well well you know my boys they were kind of trying to encourage me and justify because it was thanksgiving day and that whole week we're we're fishing we're standing up we're doing all that and i said look there's no excuses i'm just not where i thought i was period and uh so yeah and that's not unusual it was a lot of fun so i'm I'm gonna try it again this friday night we got the silver bell here in dalton so you're gonna run the silver bell i'm gonna gonna run it and i may go down in the blaze of glory again all right i'll keep i'm pretty hard-headed yeah well i haven't decided whether i'm gonna run it hard or not i may jump in there we've got quite a few run for god folks coming i know that's what i understand yeah yeah so So. i may i'm not sure what i'm gonna do yet yeah we'll see i'm always so bad about signing up for races at the last minute yeah i mean i'm i'm you know, as much as we have put on our own races and realize that all the people that wait to the last minute really make the whole process a little bit harder. 
Much uh, more stressful. You would think yeah. that I would be somebody that would, you know, do things a little Well, bit, I'm not registered yet. So are you not? I'll probably register Friday yeah. afternoon. So. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway. All right. Well, let's talk about this week's sponsor. One of our... Uh, one of our great friends, Hank's Carpet and Flooring. Hank's Carpet and Flooring is your one stop for all your floor covering needs. Hank stocks a huge selection of name brand flooring, carpet, luxury vinyl, plank waterproof flooring, and the exclusive Lola Pate area rug collection. Voted North Georgia's best of the best eight straight years in a row. The People's Choice winner for the past two. Great flooring, great prices. Why shop anywhere else? Visit Hank's Carpet and Flooring their giant showroom or at hankscarpet.com for red hot deals and again if you're a sponsor out there we we can't do what we do without them uh we actually had some conversations one of our great sponsors chad varga over at front runner he's all of a sudden seen a flurry of activity uh from people using the the run for god code so thank you out there um our sponsors notice this when when you patron their businesses as a result of us talking about them on here they notice that and um, thank you for supporting these people who support us yeah so yeah. very good yeah and that's front runner rfg10 yeah for, for a discount there at frontrunner.com um all right well we had a post this past week that i it was a very short post but he said a lot in this short post and so i thought i'd share this one it's from jim stimson out in uh arizona right um lake havasu mm-hmm. i think sounds right i haven't posted in a while but today's long easy run was productive according to my garmin even though my legs weren't feeling it colder temps are not my friend next saturday our run for god group is doing the laughlin run in nevada some of us are doing the 5k and the rest of us are doing the 12k 7.4 miles i'm guaranteed a pr since i've never raced this distance before you know oh, he's in Nevada, isn't he? Not Arizona. So that's right. Yeah. After the after the turkey trot Thursday yeah. that I did, this shows you how I, my love hate with devices. It was like three o'clock or so. You know, you're in that Thanksgiving lunch slump <laughs> about three o'clock. You yeah. that tryptophan or whatever it is that's in turkey starts kicking in, and my watch says move. I'm like, I just ran a five k this morning. <laughs> I don't understand how, and I've turned that off. I don't know how many times, and it keeps coming back on. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but it said move, and I just ran a race that morning. Mine so. never tells me that. Really? Is that? Does I it actually, not? I don't. I, I guess mine's off. I, I don't. Mine's. I don't off. know what their algorithm is, but it's it's yeah. not. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it was a good thing in Jim's case here. Yeah. But I wanted to throw mine out the window when it said move, and I'm sitting there sore and defeated. And, well, and that was part of my point for, for sharing this post, because so many times our devices are telling us things. Don't take your device yeah. as the Bible, okay? Yeah. It is not necessarily right. For example, uh, now this changed as soon as I wrote the the notes for this week's podcast that for, the la- for a month, I had two days that said productive in a month. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been getting in 60 miles a week for the last month. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not productive. Well, and these devices also tell you things like how many calories you burned, or yeah. and that's not necessarily accurate either. It's not. It's probably I mean, in the ballpark. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but, but it couldn't be. It, it may not be. So yeah, yeah. just take Don't. if you know if you just got done with a run and your watch says move, 
just take your watch off and lay it on the counter. It's probably the best. Uh, or if you really do need to run, run, move, then go ahead and move. Yeah, but you already knew that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then the other thing he's talking about here is don't he doesn't like running in the cold. There's a lot of people who don't like running in the cold. See, I like the cold. You yeah. don't like the cold very much, do you? Uh, I don't like it really cold. I, I you would like rather run cold. in the heat. Than I, the cold. I would. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. would rather run I'll, in the cold than the heat. Although I, you run faster in the cold. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of fun. But at the same time, I guess it's, you know, the last few days it's been really windy. Mm-hmm. And it tends to be windy when it's cold. Yeah. And that's the part that gets me the most. Yeah. Uh, so I have a hard time staying warm. Uh, but it's something you need to do. No matter how much I hate it sure. and don't like running when it's really cold out, I, I do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what we have to do. And that's what he was doing. And then the third, he's talking about PRs, getting a PR in a in a race distance you'd never run before. It's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Brilliant idea. I like it. So, uh, yeah, think about that. Find a race near you that is a weird distance. Yeah, they're out there. Find one. It's uh, makes it makes it even more fun, particularly when you get old like me, you know. And I've run thousands of races, and you, know, I can't PR anymore. Yeah, but. Um, I can if I run on a distance I've never run before. Sure. And you know, I've never run a 12K. So, uh, I've never even heard of a 12K. I guess some, there's about every distance out there. Yeah. You want to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the uh, World Cross Country Championships have been 12K. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. All right. We had a trivia question for last week. It was this Which school has won the most NCAA Cross Country Championships? Um, and that's combined men and men's and women's. Um, it's different for each, but there are 33 schools. Now, if you, if you, I know a lot of people follow college athletics. And so, uh, I thought this might be interesting because of that, um, because maybe your school is on the list or maybe it's not, but, uh, 33 schools have won at least one championship. Villanova 13, Arkansas 12, Oregon 10, Michigan state and Stanford nine, Colorado eight, UTEP and Wisconsin seven, BYU and Northern Arizona, six. Oklahoma State, four. Drake, Indiana, and Penn State all have won three. And that's uh, uh, that's combined. That's men's and women's. And you'll you'll notice, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the list of the most men's and the most women's, and you'll notice it seems that a lot of schools, what they do is they specialize in one or the other. Mm-hmm. So Arkansas, you know, they've won uh, 12 total titles. Well, 11 of them were men's, and they've won the most men's. Uh, Michigan State has won eight of their nine. UTEP, all seven of theirs are men's. Um, then Oregon and NAU. NAU, all six of theirs are uh, Northern Arizona, that is, is is uh, are men's. But Oregon, six of their ten. So Oregon's a little more um, distributed. And then Colorado and Wisconsin. Colorado, same thing for, for them. Um, you know, Colorado has eight, and five of them are men's, so they've won three women's. Uh, and then Villanova has won the most for women. Uh, they've won nine. Stanford, BYU have won five. Oregon, four. And Colorado, three. So those are kind of the the big cross-country schools in, in our country. Uh, the longest streak was the Villanova women, who won six years in a row from 1989 to 1994. Uh, for the men, the longest streak is Arkansas, which is four years. But now Northern Arizona, they won it three years in a row. Then they they finished i think third one year and then won it three years in a row again Hmm. so they won it uh, six out of seven years but they didn't win more than three in a row Um, and they're on that streak now 
So they have the chance, although I don't like their chances of beating Stanford next year. So that, those are not the schools that I thought would have been on there. And I guess yeah. I just – I have noticed cross country more recently. Yeah. And, I mean, you've got Colorado that kind of stands out nowadays, don't they? Uh, their heyday was probably a decade ago. They're still pretty good. Well, then who who am I – Who's the, who's the number one teams right now, the past well, few years? Northern Arizona won the men's. North Carolina State won the women's this year. Uh, North Carolina State has won two years in a row. Um, uh, for women, New Mexico is a big is a big one now. Um, for for men, it's Northern Arizona, Stanford, BYU. BYU is hmm. also good on the women's side. I must have all my, my information crossed out. I, I was thinking Colorado was still up there, but I don't guess. They're still good. They're yeah. always in the top ten. Okay. Always in the top ten. Yeah. Yes. They're very consistently good. Mark Wetmore is the coach over there. Yeah. does a great job in, uh, on okay. both the men's and the women's. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, so, Colorado is, is a big name. Wisconsin was a huge name back in the 80s. Because Colorado is the one that gets all of the – what's the high school in California? No, that they go to northern. They've been going to northern Arizona. Maybe that's what I've got. Newberry Park. Coming. Newberry Park. Yes, those kids. A lot, a lot of, of times have, yeah. go to northern Arizona. But I was the, thinking it was Colorado. But the twins next year are headed to Stanford. Mm, the two, really? the, the, yeah, the Lex and Leo yeah. that finished first and second in the state meet in California this year are going okay. to Stanford next year. Okay. So uh, they, mm. they've broken that that trend there. So there have been four times where a school has won both men's and women's in the same year. Uh, 1985, Wisconsin did it. 1996, Stanford did it. And then they did it again in 2003. And in Colorado, we were just talking about, did it in 2004. Hmm. So uh, just interesting. I, yeah. I, I love following cross country. And um, that's just a little bit of facts about that's cross country cool. champions. Yeah. All right. We just talked about we've been getting a lot of class uh, – people registering their classes we got instructors out there if you want to teach a class we now have that uh option on our website if you're a member at runforgod.com you can go on and post your class so that you can get a link and you can advertise it and everybody can sign up right there um we've had a lot of those here recently a, a big flurry of people starting the same time that we're starting on january 23rd for the couch to marathon which in turn also starts the 5k challenge we've got a lot of local classes being taught in local communities starting at the same time so it's a um i mean we've said it we've said it hundreds and hundreds of times that it'll change your life just as much as it will change your students it's not it sounds um intimidating to teach a class but we've made it now where it's it's very easy you basically can you can do it as simply as putting the video in or, or starting the video for your class and then having a discussion about it after and going for a run all the way down to you can be hands-on just like uh, the instructors who have been around for so many years. 6,500 instructors around the world um, have taught this class, you know, more hands-on. It's We really give you the flexibility of teaching how you want to teach. Um, but we do. We have a lot of classes starting January 23rd. Uh, you can go to runforgod.com, go to the um, – subscribers what am i trying to say here dean the login you know, the um let me just pull it up here i want to make sure i'm telling people right yeah 
Yeah, if you haven't, if you've thought about starting a class in the past and you haven't started one, then uh, the members area. Sorry, okay. Yeah, go yeah, to members yeah. area and then go down to the coaching dashboard, yeah. and you can read all about it. Um, you can see videos of of how it's done. You can read testimonies of how it's been done before. Um, but I encourage everybody to do it. This is this is how Run for God grew in the early days it was organically it was classes and communities and churches and schools and prisons you know we've had we've had classes start almost everywhere covid kind of put a damper on that Mm -hmm. obviously and we're we're just now starting to come out of that so if you've never taught before if you've never facilitated a run for god class and that's kind of piquing your interest then go to the members area at runforgod.com go down to the coaching dashboard and check it out we want to have Lots and lots of classes all across the country joining us this January. Where this is where the magic really happens. The the new Run Club format, coupled with the format of how Run for God got started with classes in communities, that's just going to be a magical thing. To where you know Run Club, it was individuals across the country coming together and doing something together. Well, now we're taking churches and communities coming together from mm-hmm. all across the country to do this together. I don't know. It's something we haven't experienced yet because yeah. we're just now putting these two things back together. And uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. Should be a lot of fun to watch. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. If you have never tuned in on Thursday night, you ought to tune in and and check out Thursday nights. It's a lot of fun. We have some interaction back and forth. Some people can ask questions and and answer them in real time. Um, We do that on the Facebook page. And then you can always go back and watch them later. You can go to the the members area Mm -hmm. of the the website and and go to those Thursday night live classes. And you, you can find the replays for all of those. So if you can't make it live, you can always go back and watch it. So, um, and we need, we need to hear stories. We still need some stories. So if you haven't shared your story yet and you've been thinking about it and you do have one and you do, that's right. (laughs) That's right. So uh, we don't allow that excuse that you don't have one. That's right. So send that. We make it easy. We ask you the right questions and you just throw the story in there. Three scriptures, three questions. Just again, you go to the members area and you go down to submit your story we we make it pretty easy like dean said uh yeah so so were you sore after that race this weekend you know i was but it was it was you know i've walked for two years basically yeah and i did a marathon walking we've done we did a half marathon together and you get done with those and it's it's that throbbing deep tissue but it's it's not really in your lungs, you know. Yeah. When you get done with walking, it's your. Def- we've said it a lot on here. You definitely get the physical fitness exercise by walking. But what I felt when I got done with that five k was my lungs that I haven't felt in a lot. I mean, it's it's that it's that acute, yeah, 
pain. It's not throbbing and soreness. It is, it's just pain that I haven't felt in a few years. And it, it was, it was, you know, you and I are kind of the same in this way. It, we're kind of pain junkies. Yeah. It, it felt good. Yeah. To, not in the moment necessarily, but you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, Oh, that was, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you get done and you feel like you've been hit by a transfer truck <laughs> when you first get done. So yeah, the pain is different. It's very different, but not saying one is better than the other. It's just very different from a running a 5k versus maybe walking a 5k for your first time. Very different types of pain. And so I think the soreness may be about the same later on, you know, if yeah. you, if you pushed yourself in walking versus you push yourself in running, um, but the acute pain at the finish line is very different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have found that I can tell sometimes it's hard to tell during a race, how hard you push yourself because sometimes, um, like we've talked about it before, the mental side of it is you always think you're pushing hard. And then the best way for me to tell how hard I really did push was how sore am I the next day. And, um, so I've, I've had a little bit of both. I've run several races this fall and I've had some races where the next day I'm just, I can't hardly walk when I get up in the morning. And then I had others where I couldn't even tell I ran a race the day before. Well, and you said something earlier that I almost said this then. How much of our, how much do our devices dictate our races? Because, you know, I look down, not quite a half mile in. I, lo I looked at the half mile mark, but, but not quite a half mile. I looked down and I realized I was going way too fast was my thought. And so that seed was planted in my head. Mm -hmm. How much did me looking down at that watch determine the rest of my race? Whereas if I had not worn a watch, I, I wonder how much, how much does our devices dictate our races, yeah. good or bad? Yeah, because or I'm, bad. I, I feel like I should have been able to run faster than I ran. But when I looked down and saw that I was much faster than what I'd planned on, I think that got into my head and maybe caused my race to go south a little bit faster. I think spark if your you're heart, not supposed if you're running a minute faster than you're supposed to be running, your race is going to go south inevitably. Yeah. But would it have been closer to the finish line? Maybe. Yeah. I let it start going south at a half mile in because that seed was planted in my head, and I could have I could have ran I could run a mile and a half two miles at that pace, you know. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a good one. It's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Maybe I won't run with a watch this Friday night. Maybe that'd be a good idea. Good test just case. Go and just just run by feel. Just hammer. I yeah. may come walking in. Yeah. <laughs> I may not. May you may have to come back and get me. <laughs> I think the more you uh, the, and the more races you run, the better you get at it. Yeah. You, you're a lot more. I'm a lot more patient in a race now than I used to be. Uh, just yeah, I'm older. I can. It doesn't bother me to watch people run out, and uh, knowing that several of them are coming back uh, yeah. at some point. So uh, yeah, and yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it can have a, a pretty significant effect. Well, have you ever thought about running as a treatment for depression? Kind of makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this comes from Carla Carr, and it is called Depression versus Peace. 
I've been asked to speak for the Advent series at our local church organization, Acts 1-8, which is comprised of eight different Methodist and Baptist churches and a Celebrate Recovery Church and a food pantry. Our church joined the group, and we have done so much more as a union of saints than we ever could have, could have as individual churches. The group reminds me of Run for God, where there are hundreds of of different people in all different walks of life joining together to achieve a goal. Spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation that is free to all who believe, all while running or walking to improve health. Each week during Advent, a candle is lit in some traditional church services that reflect some aspect of the Christian walk. Faith, hope, love, peace, and or joy, or some mixture of these. I get to speak for the Peace Week. This year, as I participated in the Run for God program, I oftentimes did not feel at peace. I work full-time and am the primary provider for our family, so prioritizing running over working uh, crazy hours for my job this year was difficult, but I was so thankful that I did it for the season I was in. When I felt the devil's strings of craziness pulling at me, I would let my mind go to the Run for God podcast series, or I would seek solace in the peace and fellowship of the Facebook group. I would start my summer days earlier than normal with a run at 6 a.m. so that I could have my quiet time with God, seeing his faithfulness on the nature trail around me. My goal with Run for God was simple. Run the half marathon and do it in a way that glorified God, while also being mindful of my health and improving the way I looked at my diabetes. I met my running goal on October 2nd at the Greenbrier River Trail Half Marathon. I was so ecstatic at the end of the race, I wanted to cry with relief. I did cry as I realized that I had met my main goal of running the half marathon, but then realized I didn't have another goal to go on, which brought me fear. I didn't have the desire to run the full marathon, and I'm not able to travel to Gulf Shores for the Run for God Marathon in January. After my race, I got sick and then took a long time to recover from that. I ran a couple of times in our basement on the treadmill, but really didn't like it. I missed the outside, the fresh air, the sunshine of summer, and the people on the trail I would see every morning. I fell off the wagon, so to speak, and lost the drive to run. While this has been a season of rest and, if I'm honest, depression, it's time to get back to being healthy, which is not just a, for a season, but is a lifestyle. The running lifestyle that I had become accustomed to was peaceful to me as I saw God working around and in me and recognized his hand in my life. When I stopped running, I started having ingrown eyeballs, as my pastor likes to say, and I forgot to look outward and upward to God for my strength. In the middle of the training plan, I was not thinking of my life. I was not thinking my life was peaceful, but looking back now, I can see that there was peace all around me. 1 Corinthians 14:33 says, "For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace." And I had always thought that this verse said God is not a God of disorder, but a God of order. How wrong was I? When there is peace in your life from God, then you have order. But you cannot have order in your life if you don't have peace. Order is rules and legalism, which God is not all about. He seeks our hearts to be in relationship with him, not just following his rules and laws. 
I followed the plan for the half marathon, but I didn't have a heart to continue doing the work after the race. I didn't have the relationship focus for myself and my health to remain in the run for God plan as scheduled. I'm getting back to the plan now, not because I want to run a race, but because I recognize that my relationship with myself, my health, and God is more important than ever. I have I have the past year to look at and to see uh, that I was growing in the Lord in my health and in my personal relationship with me. I appreciate your prayers and your encouragement as I jump back into the fray, and I know I will do better because God is leading me along and I'm listening this time. The bigger point is that I don't have to run a race each quarter or even every year for Run for God, uh, but I have to continue running my race with God. The peace that I seek is only found in Him and the relationship I have with Him. It's a great story, Carla. <clears throat> There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about you've talked about that whole word peace from the beginning of the year this year for two years. Two, yeah, yeah, two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is just this is kind of where God has had me for a couple of years yeah. now. Um, and yeah, I mean, Carla just hits it. She hits it dead on the head. Mm-hmm. Well, running has a a calming effect. It does to it. Um, if you can relax enough while you're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, when you go out too fast in a five k, it's yeah, that, it's hard to do that. But yeah, <laughs> um, but it, but and she says it here. Any anything with order can kind of help with our peace. Although she's saying that just putting things in order doesn't produce peace, but when you have peace, the things that you do put in order feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I think about it when I'm going on vacation. Debbie and I, we're you know we're gonna we're gonna go on vacation, leave the house for whether it's several days or a week. Um, what do you want to do? You want to clean the house up. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to clean the house up? Well, so that when you get back, you don't have that to worry about, right? right? And it gives you a peace of mind. Um, but you have to be ready for that peace, right? You mm-hmm. can't. You, you can't you can't go out and uh, and hope for it. it you have to believe that it's it's going to be there and I, I when we when you're organizing a big event it's kind of the same thing when everything's taken care of and everything's in order it helps with that piece but again if you're that kind of person i i, I thought about it well i'm gonna get into that in a little bit um peace is is something that she she's saying that you have to have peace before you can have order and I think they both go together. I don't think it's necessarily one. You have to have one before the other. But yeah. I think one complements the other. Sure. And I hate to disagree with Carla here. I'm not disagreeing. I think there's a lot of different ways to look there at is. it, which is yeah. kind of what we're yeah. going to dig into yeah. here in a second. But, yeah, I, I, I get what she's saying. But I think there's it's, – it's kind of what we say. Every time you read Scripture, it it's, speaks to you differently. Yeah, and, yeah. and this verse definitely spoke to me differently today, this verse we're about to go over. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 14.33, which says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. I had always thought this was a verse that said God was a God of order, but peace brings order. Order doesn't bring peace. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what version she was reading out of. I, I, I read the New King James Version, and it says, it doesn't say... Um, the God of disorder, it says author of confusion for God is not the author of confusion. And you, you kind of got to read 
we always do a good job of this. I feel like we, you got to read the books bookends yeah, and see what was talking about this here and, or what, what was being said here. And this is a time when Paul was writing his letter to the Corinthians and, and the churches were just in complete disorder. Um, you know, and there was complete disorder in the church meetings. Everyone had their own agendas. Everyone had their own teachings. Everyone had their own revelations. Uh, and collectively there was no order. You know, it's, I can only imagine it's, it's kind of like everyone, you go to church and everybody's talking over each other. Yeah. And I think that's a picture in my mind of, of what might've been going on in the Corinthians church here. And, and Paul was basically saying, Hey, cut it out. If, if there is this kind of disorder, what's being done is not of God because God is not a God of disorder, but saying he's not a God of disorder tells me he is a God of order. order. And it doesn't say that explicitly, um, but order is necessary. You know, and if you fast forward to verse 40, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. So I think the point here, and I think the point that Carla's making here uh, and that we can all kind of agree on is peace will provide order. It's, it's just that simple. Yeah. Order will not provide peace. Right. You can be the most orderly person in the world and, and lost as the day is long mm-hmm. uh, and have zero peace. I mean, there's there's lots of type A personalities who are just have it all together or the appearance of having it all together, but they have zero peace in their life. But I think if you have peace in your life, the only way to have peace in your life, which we've talked about so many times, is to slow down sometimes. Yeah. Because what causes chaos in your life when we just it's all plug everything we can in our schedules <laughs> and you got to get rid of some of that stuff because the, if you're a child of God, the peace is there. But so many times it's like, it's like having that sock in the bottom of the laundry, everything's piled on top of it and you don't get to experience it yeah. because you've just crammed your schedule. And, yeah. and I'm sitting here saying that. And I, I was thinking yesterday, man, we're coming up on the Christmas season. I'm looking at my calendar. Yeah. It's insane. Busy. You know, yeah. Christmas parties, and we're, we're going to try, try to take a little trip in December, and it's just... So yesterday I was thinking that. i I got to cut some of this stuff out. Yeah. I've got to make some hard decisions and cut some of this stuff out because this time of year more than any, we want peace. But guess guess who also is working overtime this time of year? The evil one. Yeah, that's right. He's trying to fill our schedules and, and pull that peace, suck that peace right out of what is, in my mind, the greatest holiday of the year which is the birth of jesus christ and uh so i think we're all on the same page yeah but i think we're looking at it from different ways and it's speaking to us differently which is the beauty of god's word it's living and breathing and it's speaking to carla different than speaking to you and it's speaking to me yeah i I think about people you mentioned people who just seem to be really well ordered and one of those that came to my mind when I was thinking about this mm-hmm. was Nick Saban mm-hmm. from the University of Alabama coach, uh, football coach, head football coach. You know, Nick Saban is as organized yeah. as anybody is anywhere. His teams are as well prepared for every game as any team, anytime, anywhere. Yet he never looks like he's at peace. Now, I'm not, this isn't a comment on Nick Saban as a person. He, or his salvation or that's anything. Right, that's right. He's, if you're looking at him on the TV in a football game, Yes, he always looks like he's never satisfied, and he's all his blood pressure always looks like his head's about to pop off the top, right? And, Especially uh, when the reporters start asking him. <laughs> yes, because he does not like to answer those. But 
that that's that's where he's got it all together. All the mm-hmm. order is there, mm-hmm. but the peace doesn't come just because he's got order. Sure. Now, you can look at that the other way, and if if you've got peace, and you've seen coaches like this, you know, you've seen coaches where that are pretty calm on the sideline, and it always amazes me, particularly NCAA basketball. When you see a, a an NCAA basketball coach that is calm on the sideline, I'm like, I don't know how they can do that. I just don't know. And that's the picture of when we've got God in our life of you've got it all under control because that person who's calm on the sideline, I guarantee you, that person has got order. Mm-hmm. That They know what play they're going to run, when they're going to do it in every situation, or they couldn't be that calm. Sure. And that's kind of the, the, the two pictures that, that come to mind when I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, scripture passage again, um, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. To be a Christian is to be called, is to be a Christ follower. If we are Christians, then we are children of God, which means adopted heirs in God's kingdom. A peacemaker allows God to lead and be the focus of their attention. I want that. Mm. That's the key, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you said it. To be a Christian is to be a Christ follower. Or Carla said it. Um, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Um, so it stands to reason that if we're following him as closely as we're called to follow him, then we should be, that that should just be flowing back on us, the peace mm-hmm. of Christ, the peace of God. Um, and so many times when my peace starts to flee, I can always point to my proximity to my walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Not sometimes, always. If if you're if you're walking hand in hand with God, you can have peace no matter what gets thrown at you. Mm-hmm. Paul proved that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this verse looks like it's saying that peacemakers are children of God because they're peacemakers, but it's the other way around is is what it means. Right. Is is when you're a child of God, then it's it's going to automatically flow. It comes out, out of you, yeah. Just, when you're walking yeah. close, that's right. Close, just close. like you're talking. Is that about. even a word? Close. close. <laughs> I don't think that's a when word. you're walking close with God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, if we have a relationship with God, then we should automatically. It's be, there. It's there. Yeah. It's there. We just got to let it out. And that's you know we say that all the time. Oh, I just I just don't have peace. Yes, you do. If you're yeah. a child of God, it's there and it's freely given, but it may be that sock on the bottom of the laundry. <laughs> you just need to clean house. That's right. That's right. And I think about it, for, again, I, I mentioned the coaching situations here just a minute ago from a coaching situation. Things can get very, very tense when you're in a coaching situation. Um, best thing you can do is to go back and, and think about some of these verses mm-hmm. and uh, and calm yourself and go, well, okay, you know, the old, the old bracelet, what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the best way to look at those things when things do get tense. Uh, of course, it's hard. It's way easier said than done, isn't it? But it's so hard sometimes. I mean, so many. I don't know how many times I've been wound up about something, you know, because for some reason I like to do that every now and then. And how funny it is that if if you'll just move yourself aside, because so many times that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. it's selfishness. It's we think God can't handle it, and so we're trying to figure it out ourselves. How do I get out of this situation? But how many times have you just stopped and just said, God, help me here? Yeah. Give me peace. And Dean, it's it's amazing how often the situation 
rarely ever changes. Mm -hmm. The thing you're dealing with rarely ever changes, but your outlook when you call on God and it's hard to do, Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to stop and just say, God, help me here and be, be honest, be, you know, this has got to be real. It can't just be platitudes. It's got to be, you're seeking God's peace that it comes. Yeah. Like I said, the thing you're dealing with may not change. The, the crisis or the whatever it is may not change, but how you walk through that season for sure will change. And the peace that you feel. Exactly. Yes, for sure. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. She says, so often I want to fabricate peace by what I do. But Jesus told us that he gives peace. We cannot make peace without Jesus being part of our lives. Submission to him allows peace to reign in my heart. And then the works of my life glorify him because I have his peace in me. Hmm. It's so true. When we think under our own power, um, peace is hard to come by. When we're the ones trying to create the peace ourselves, it's hard to come by. But just like you just said, when we can take a step back, move ourselves out of the way and say, okay, God, how, how do I need to think about this from a biblical standpoint? I mean, it, it, it can be overwhelming the difference from the tension you feel about that situation to the peace that you feel about that situation in a matter of moments sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, just last night, I I talk about the high school boys on here a lot because it's always fresh on my mind from the day before. Last night, we were talking with the high school boys, and we were were talking about um, contentment. We were, we were, um, (laughs) golly, boom, my mind is going blank today. Yeah. Uh, I can do all things through Christ, Philippians 413, sorry. Uh, We were talking about, and and I asked the guy, I kind of set him up. I do this a lot. I'll, I'll set them up. Yeah. And then make my point. And I said, what what, what do you have to do in your life to get to the point where you're going to feel content? And, of course, it's high school boys, and, you know, you hear win state championship. And you just all these things. And I said, but that's wrong. I said, because you win that state championship, you're not still not going to be content. Mm-hmm. You're going to want the next thing. And God is the one that provides our contentment. And it's the same thing here, peace. We say, if I can make that, if I can get that next job promotion, then I'll be at peace. Yeah. If I can, we put all these stipulations on when we're going to get peace, and that is completely a wrong way of looking at it. And like I said, I'm guilty of that. But that is a worldview of looking at peace that you have to have something has to happen in order for you to get peace. Yeah. And you can have all the things in the world happen, and without Christ, you can you can accomplish all of them, and you'll never have peace. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's. There's only one thing that has to happen for us to have peace, That's except it. Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Amen. And then it's there. Amen. Well, anytime you're anxious about everything, I think back to just a couple of years ago when COVID hit, and I think about, gosh, there was so much anxiety mm-hmm. in the world, um, just right around us, and. I remember how stark it was at that time, the difference between people who were Christians and, mm-hmm. and you know, very, very 
obviously have a very close relationship with God and those who are not. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a one-to-one, perfect in both cases, but in the mo- for the most part, the people who were Christians were so much more calm and their mm-hmm. anxiety level so much lower because, you know, I heard, I heard people say, you know, well, if God takes me home, <laughs> it won't be, that's not the worst thing that can happen, uh-huh. you know? Exactly. Uh, so God can bring peace but I, uh, that comes with a, ca- a caveat because a lot of times we think we're saying that if you have this relationship with Christ, that that you will have peace. But you have to allow that peace. That that's an important factor because I know a lot of Christians, really really good people who have a great relationship with Christ, but they are worriers, mm-hmm. and they spend all of their time worrying about things. Well, worry is not peace. Mm-hmm. Worry is the opposite of peace. Sure. And so I understand being. Con- you know, concerned about things, but we have to be careful um, because we need to understand that worry is not of God, and that if, if we want peace, we got to we got to get away from that. Stress is selfishness. Yeah, that, I'm, for, I'm forgetting who um, made that statement in a, in a service I was in one time, but he he, he made the statement: stress equals selfishness. Mm-hmm. It's saying that I can't figure this out, and God can't either. Right. And that means it's all about you. Yeah. Do you believe God is in control? Right. And is God enough? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And remember that God asked us to not be anxious about anything. Mm-hmm. Is the is the and phrase he was pretty explicit on that? He was. Anything's a pretty strong statement. That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty much all inclusive. How about this question? How do you overcome feelings of despair or depression after reaching a goal and not having another goal in front of you? I got hung up on this question. Yeah. Uh, I, I do this sometimes, but I, you know, and usually it comes from conversations I've had recently. You know, Lane and I just kind of had this conversation, and I don't think Lane would mind me talking about this, but, um, you know, Lane's had a pretty lackluster 18 months. You know, Lane, ever since a little kid, he's had big goals, big dreams wants to go to the Olympics 2028. He's had that circle on his calendar for years. And the past year and a half, for a variety of reasons, it's just it's just not happened. But and, and you and I have talked about this. It, Lane's resolve has been it's his his desire has been cracked a little, but it's not been destroyed. And I, I think it's because of this question right here. Um I feel like we all, in every area of our life, physical, spiritual, family, financial, work, whatever it is, we all need to have goals. We all need to have big goals because that that is our that is the heading by which we drive. And and I, I used this illustration the other day. I said, you know, I used to I used to fish a lot down in the the keys me and a couple of buddies for a couple of years we got to where we like to go down there and and deep sea fish and um so I, I got to be pretty proficient in navigating out at sea and you know when we would be done with a full day of fishing we would start heading in and you would get to that point usually about the eight mile mark and you could start to see the horizon of land and there was always a a tall building in in Key Largo that we would we would put the heading on we, you, we would start driving toward that big tower 
And along the way, sometimes we would run across fishing holes and we would stop and we would fish and catch fish. And then we would be right back on our way, keeping our eye on that big building. And that's an illustration I used it. That big building is a big goal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so far out there. It's going to take us a long time to get there, but it keeps us strapped traveling in a straight line. Contrast that to sometimes we would be out no side of land and we would be looking for a weather buoy which is a small weather station out in the middle of the water and we would be all over the place trying to find that weather buoy and even when we got to it the boat would drift around and we were being this is kind of getting biblical we would be tossed to and fro by the wind and it was just so hard to keep the boat on that weather buoy to fish and i think so many times we have short-term goals but we have nothing out there in the future and if we're always just looking at the here and now and what our goals are now we're kind of like that boat in the water we, we we can see it but we're just drifting all over the place but if we have that if we have that big goal out there in the future you know, for a lot of people, it's the Boston Marathon. If we're going to put this in physical goals, it's the Boston Marathon. That's been a big goal of mine for years, and it still is a goal. I keep saying I'm going to have to let my age catch up with my time, but it's still a goal. One day, I want to run the Boston Marathon. If I keep on that trajectory, then when I have tough years, when I have injuries, when I have all these things, I can remain on that heading. And, and I can look back and I can see how far I've come. But if you don't have that thing way out there, then then you're just going to be tossed around by these constant small goals that we have. And the, the other point there is the, the bigger point that, that I've talked to Lane about is when you have that goal way out there and, and you're going toward that, that big building on land, just like we we would run across fishing holes along the way when we would stop and catch fish and it was it was no big deal because we were on our heading going in the same thing in our life when when you're focused on something way out there where god's got you going then you're not looking down at these little things all around you then you can see the opportunities that god puts in front of you mm-hmm. and that's what i've told lane if you're heading toward the olympics in 2028 you might never get there because god may open a door right here Mm-hmm. And if if you're constantly burying your head in what's going on today, so many times we drive by right by the doors that God opens in our lives. And I don't know, I just got hung up on this question because it's it's so what she's saying we all struggle with, but mm-hmm. I think it's a lack of of looking out for the it's the true illustration of you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, and let me add to that because I, I totally agree, hundred percent I agree with you. But here's where I think the disconnect is, because I think we all have some sort of a goal Mm -hmm. in our mind. Uh, The goal of the Olympics in 2028 is a tough thing because there's a lot of time between now and then. So it's hard to figure out how do I get motivated today Mm -hmm. about a goal I have in 2028. Well, let me tell you how you do that. You have a system. Mm -hmm. You need a system to go with your goals. Yes, you can't just have a goal and and let that be the only thing that drives you because then what happens if something happens and that goal is taken away for whatever reason or you get to that day and in in this case she she got to her goal day and then didn't have another thing on the horizon Mm -hmm. 
you got to have something in place. So for me, my my system is I'm going to get out and I'm going to run every day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's from a fitness standpoint. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. If there's not a race that I'm targeting, well, I'm going to run today. Mm-hmm. You know, and so your goals may be different. Your system may be different. Your system may be, I want to run three times a week. I want to be active six days a week. Whatever it might be, you you have to have some kind of a system in place to keep you on track. Just like in that boat, you know, on that boat, you've got that boat headed in a direction. Mm -hmm. And that's your your system. Your Mm -hmm. system is we're headed in that direction. And then when other things pop up around your system, you handle those things as they can. Right. Yeah, and I think you know uh, uh, the the couch to marathon just kind of popped in my head as you were saying that because it's kind of the it's kind of the I'm not going to say the perfect model because we didn't come up with it. I mean it's it's it is a typical model that we should use in every area of our life for people who sign up for the couch to marathon many of them have many of them have never run in their life mm-hmm. and they've put this goal out there that in what is it 54 weeks they're going to run a marathon. And then what's between that 54 weeks and today? It's 54 systems. Yeah. It's 50, it's we've got three other races in between. Mm-hmm. We've got things that you do every day and we have a system in place so that you can get to that long-term goal and mm-hmm. you've got goals in between. We've got a yeah. 5k, a 10k, a half marathon. And if something happens at any one of those, say say you you got sick and you weren't able to run your 5k. Well, because you have a system in place, you have the confidence that you can still get to that marathon. That's right. But if you didn't have that system in place, chances are you're never going to get to that marathon. And on the flip side, if all you have is the goal of running a marathon and you have no system in place, you're never going to get to that marathon. So it's both and. That's right. You've got to have mm-hmm. you've got to have the system and the goal. Yeah. And I know this is a lot deeper than what this question was asking, but it, I mean, getting <laughs> I toward good. the end of the year, we've got people who are contemplating the couch to marathon. We've got people contemplating making big, I, I was thinking about Rebecca McGeorge last night. Yeah. You know, she is down in, where is she at now? Um, what country did she go to move to? Is it Honduras? Gosh, I just no, texted I, her last night. No. Anyway, I mean, I she, she, she had this goal several years back of, starting this ministry, but she put mm-hmm. a system and a plan in place. And now she's living what God has called her to do yeah. on the mission field in whatever country that yeah. is. And Rebecca, I'm sorry that I can't remember yeah. that. I'm just forgetting everything today. But that, that system that we have in the couch to marathon, put that in your physical life, put that in your spiritual life, put that in your family, put that in your financial plan, yeah. put that in your work goals. It, it works for, for so many things. And when you, when you, when you have the peace of God and you have a plan in place, man, it, it feels like everything, not that you're never going to have issues because you will, but it just, life seems to be much more uh, sh- structured, enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole process is better when you have those two things in place. Amen. Another question, while it's not necessary to have a race to train for, it makes it easier to focus your attention and energy on achieving that race goal. What are some other ways to focus your attention and energy without a race in mind to keep yourself training? Um, I think we just got ahead of ourselves. 
<laughs> you think? <laughs> I think, I think just, you've got to have something out there. It yeah. may not be a race, but maybe it's I want to get to the point of where I'm running 40 miles a week. I think you, I think you have to have some kind of measure. I mean, what's it's the M and the smart. It's got to be measurable. You've yeah. got to have something out there. Um, and I think that's the case for most people. We've got we've got to have smart goals out there in a system to get there. Yep. And we need to make sure that God is a part of that system. Sure. Is a part of that. What whatever it is, you you, you need to build that in there, right? right. Uh, the old phrase we talked about: What would Jesus do? The the idea of trying to become more Christ-like, which is what our goal should be, is to become more Christ-like. And then, what are the things we can do to get ourselves? Again, it's it's a point, like you said, you you may or may not ever get to that goal of to twenty twenty eight Olympics, but you need to be headed in that direction. We're never going to get to the goal of being just like Jesus. Mm but we want to get closer and closer to it. And what are the things that we can do along the way? But we have a great system for that one. We, we do. <laughs> we, we have we have a roadmap for that right. right here in front of us. You just got to pick it up and read it. That's right. That's right. And I think that for me, the best way to do that is to think about everything that I do through a biblical lens. So everything I do, whatever it is that I'm doing, whether I'm talking with somebody or I'm teaching a class or whatever it is, if we can look at it all through a biblical lens, mm-hmm. um, it, it'll that's a system. Sure. Right? Yep. What if uh, everybody began reacting to politics through a biblical lens? Boy, wouldn't that change things? <laughs> I, I don't... Okay, yeah, if everybody... Yes, then yes, yes, it would change. Yes. We're going to stop right there. That's today. right. <laughs> Last question. Christians are called to be peacemakers. Uh, what are some ways we can model Christ's attitude of peace to others to show that we trust Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? <clears throat> I think first got to have peace yourself. Well, you can't model peace if you don't have peace. Yeah. If it's, if it's the dirty sock on the bottom of the laundry – how many times does you're upset about one little thing? You don't have peace about one little area of your life. And then somebody comes in and says something that kind of irritates you. And then all of a sudden you're blowing up here and you're blowing yeah. up there. And it, it's, it's, um, it's a chain reaction many times. Yeah. But if, if we have peace in our walk with God and, and we're at peace in our own skin, then when that person that, kind of irritates you comes up and says it's a whole lot easier Mm -hmm. to handle that situation in a christ-like manner yeah but when you don't have peace with god man you it can you can go off the rails really quickly when when you don't have it yourself that's that's true or you're not you're not that you don't have it because we have it but you're not you're not um exercising yeah that peace that god gives us all well, and in the Bible, we have example after example mm-hmm. of people reacting to things in both good and bad ways, mm-hmm. right? You you got Moses who, you know, reacted the first time God said he wanted him to lead the people of Israel. His first reaction wasn't good. <laughs> no. But then he came back and changed that, right? Um, you know, there's a, a example of, of a, after example of that. And then there's just some, you know, some really good examples. Paul, Abraham. Um, Elijah, Gideon, Daniel. Just there's there's a lot of examples in the Bible mm-hmm. of, of people doing that. And so um 
certainly in, in most of those cases, uh, their situations were much tougher than ours. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we tend to take a situation and we blow it up and make it into this horrible. T- I just had a conversation with a young lady yesterday. Um, she has taken something that is a relatively minor thing and she's blown it up and made it a big, huge problem. Uh, and that's what we all do that. We all do that with something. And we have to be careful about doing that. And we have to realize, too, this. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Sometimes I think... Very we, rarely. Yes. It's the absence of conflict. But I think a lot of times we think about peace. We, we think if if I can get that conflict out of the way, just like we talked about, yeah. then I'll have peace. Yes. No. And it's we look at it like war. Like in war, we say, well, we're at peace... If there's no if there's no fighting going on, yeah. um, that, that's not the way it works in our life. I mean, the Bible's riddled with passages to the effect of conflict produces patience, which produces peace. Um, I I probably paraphrase that wrong right there, but you you get the point. It's Absolutely. the Bible talks about this so often that peace is not the absence of conflict. That's right. It's having God in the midst of conflict. That's right. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face, whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. And for, for those of you who have asked, I think we mentioned this last week. I want to mention it again. Um, there are some folks who have said, you know, I've done the 5K challenge and I want to, I just want to get better mm-hmm. at the 5K. I don't really want to increase distance or anything. You know, is there a plan for that? And prior to recently, there hasn't been one, but there is now. There is now. So if you go on the Run Club page, if you're a member, you got to be a member of Run Club to get to the training plans, but you can go to the training plans and in that whole document of all the training plans that are in there it's got all the beginning basically the the 5k challenge the 10k the half marathon and the marathon Mm -hmm. but then there is a new plan for each one of those distances for those who have already done that and want to maybe go a little bit deeper and run a little bit more mileage maybe a little bit tougher workouts and things like that so you yeah you mentioned you got to go to the the members area go to downloadable training plans you just scroll down and go to downloadable training plans and like dean said you've got the four main ones Mm -hmm. which are kind of the are in all the books but there's also one that says now all plans including advanced and walking we've had a lot of requests from people to say where are the walking plans? We talk about how you do it, but we've never had that explicitly written out week by week, and now we do. Right. So if you're a walker out there and you're, you're a Run Club member, then go there and download that, all plans including advanced and walking. Um, and you're right. It's for the person out there who they did a 5K once and now they want to get faster, these advanced plans, and we have them 
for all the distances. Yep. Um, and it's for all those joining us out there that maybe they've been running for years and they're ready to get faster. Mm -hmm. This is the plan for you. So, yep. um, so you won't find these plans reflected in the books because the books are for a very specific audience. But if you know, if you've never been through the books, get the book and then put your advanced training plan or your walking plan in place of what's in the books. And, and it, but it, it goes together seamlessly. Absolutely. Yep. Well, visualization, we talk about that a lot, right? Yep. Uh, the idea of visualization and, uh, you know, I recommend it for people, but how do you do it? How do you, how do you describe, how do you do visualization? You know, the picture that comes to my mind when you ask that question, what's that? I'm kind of, and it's because my boys got into it several years back, but the Rubik's Cube, you know, if you watch those competitions, I even watched a, a Netflix documentary on the fastest YouTube, I mean, fastest Rubik's Cuber. And they have a, you, you can see visualization in those competitions because, you know, they have like 45 seconds or 30 seconds where they can pick the cube up. They can't twist it or turn it or anything. But in their mind, they you can watch them. They're solving that cube, and then they have to set it down, and then they pick it up and they solve it in five seconds. Yeah, they could not do that. There's no way they could do that without that time of visualization. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just that's a that's that's visualization that you can see. That's how it works. And but I think that same thing applies to every area of our life where we need to visualize. We need to just stop. Think about it. Think about our actions. Like your mama said when you were a kid. Yeah. Stop and think about your actions. Stop and think about what you're going to say. And it usually turns out much better. But so yeah. many times we, we just run right ahead of that visualization part, the stopping yeah. and thinking, and we run right into a catastrophe many times. <laughs> or we say something we don't want to say or whatever. So in that case, of course, you're talking about a specific path. But then what about the idea that like, if we're going to visualize a race, mm -hmm. we got a half marathon coming up and we want to just kind of visualize that. Um, do we want to visualize the good and the bad? Do we mm -hmm. want to visualize how, how do you, how do, you, how do we want to do that? I think you got to do it all. You yeah. know, we used to do this exercise with the triathlon team and I would always make them, we would get like a hotel room or something. I don't know if you were ever a part of these, mm -hmm. um, but we would just make them lay down on the floor. Typically I would turn the lights off. So there's no distractions. And then I would start walking them through the race all the way from the time they get out of the car. And I would just say, imagine you're getting out of the car, you're getting your equipment, you're, you're doing, and I would walk them through every little process of that race. But also I would say, okay, picture yourself in the water. Oh no, somebody kicked you and your goggles came off. What are you going to do? Because you have to, it's probably more important to visualize the things that could happen bad mm -hmm. than the things that could happen good. Because if you decide how you're going to react now for a race that's tomorrow, you're much more likely to react that way than if you try to make that decision in the race. Yeah. To me, that's why it's so important. So how long do you think you start visualizing before a race? Let's say I got a race in January, uh, January 15th. When do I start visualizing, you think? As soon as you can get that picture in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, it made me think about it because I saw a photo recently of a, of the Michigan quarterback before the Michigan-Ohio State game, and he was – please don't hate me if you're an Ohio State fan out there. <laughs> but he was me, kind of meditating before the Go football dogs. game. Yeah, had his 
had his um, headphones on, and he mm-hmm. was clearly just thinking um, before the game, and made me think that uh, about this whole visualization idea. I think it helps. I think visualization helps with relaxation once the gun goes off. A lot of times, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people struggle with being relaxed enough, uh, and and it's really important. Well, I mean, this race, this turkey trot, I did. Had I visualized that race for one second before the race, I would have said, I'm going to go out at X pace. Well, because I didn't visualize, I have 10-year-olds running out in front of me, and what do I do? I go with the 10-year-olds, and I blow up. And so had I given that a nanosecond of thought, which I didn't, that race may have been a lot different. I'm convinced it would have been a lot different. But I didn't, and that's my fault. Yeah, yeah. I've already I've got a race next week, not this weekend, but next weekend. I'm running the ten miler here, mm-hmm. and I've got a goal of breaking the state record mm-hmm. for that distance for my age group. And uh, I've already run that race mm-hmm. a dozen times in or your more head in my head. Yeah, so hopefully it'll go as well as I've run it in my head. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, it's a time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I've re- when I share something <laughs> that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Well, are you a horticulturalist? Gosh, that's a hard word to say. I know my plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about growing plants. This one's called pruning the tree. Have you ever seen a young tree growing under the branches of another tree? Typically, the tree can never grow to be as big and strong as it could under different circumstances. A tree needs good soil, water, and, of course, sunlight in order to grow to its full potential. If it grows under the canopy of another tree, it can never get the sunlight it needs to thrive. There are a couple of things that could be done to help the young tree. First, you could cut the larger tree down so that it doesn't grab up all the sunlight before it has a chance to reach the smaller tree. Or... Less severely, you could just trim the larger tree back to allow more sunlight to peek through. Either way, the young tree can never be all it can be until it has access to full sunlight. Of course, we probably wouldn't want to cut the large tree down, right? So maybe each year we trim it back to leave room for the baby tree to grow. That way we can leave both trees in place and they can exist together. If we apply this lesson to running, we find that we can never be all we can be without all the ingredients it takes to flourish. We need the optimal combination of stimulus, meaning the ideal number of miles and at the right intensity. We must recover between efforts with the most favorable amount of rest and rejuvenation. And of course, the fuel we put into our bodies is critical to high performance. You need all three to be the best runner you can be. And like the tree analogy, we can trim back our mileage to get enough rest if needed. We can grab the most convenient food available instead of the best food to gain the time we need to get in all the workouts in our training plan. It is a constant balancing act, often sacrificing one thing for another. Finding time and energy to optimize our running can be challenging for sure. But have we considered all the options for the young tree? Sure, we can spend time trimming the larger tree every year, and that would be better than leaving it to obstruct the light from the baby tree, but there's a better solution. How about transplanting the tree? What if we just moved it to another location where it has all the room it needs to grow, as big and as strong as it can? Sometimes we need to put 
put in a lot of effort to create the best circumstances possible. Transplanting a tree is a big job, but once it's done, you don't have to go back year after year. Another way to look at it is that you just did years worth of work in a week or two. In the same way, we need to find ways to get all the ingredients in our fitness journey without sacrificing one for another. Who said we can't have it all? Of course, it requires creativity to be able to craft those circumstances. Chances are you were not thinking about the possibility of transplanting the tree until I mentioned it, but the option was there. What options are you not considering on your fitness journey? You say you can't get the proper nutrition, but have you tried drastic changes to make it happen? It is tough to get all the miles in, but have you considered a different time of day? Getting enough rest is hard, but many very successful people find a way to sleep eight hours every night. Before you give up on your goals, make sure you have considered every possibility, and there are almost always more ideas to consider. Transplanting can be an important concept for in, in our fitness journey. Are you hanging around with people who are focused on their fitness? Do you eat dinner with people who are concerned about fueling their bodies too? I'm not suggesting that you pick up an entirely different set of friends, but it can be important to reinforce what you're trying to accomplish by surrounding yourself with others who have similar goals. You may not need to be transplanted to an entirely different property, but it may be beneficial for you to move to a place that gets uh, the best morning sun. That works with our spiritual journey too. The Bible clearly tells us, go and make disciples, but it also tells us not to, to not forsake the assembly of other Christians. There's a balance. We need the word of God daily, prayer with our Father, and other people to have the relationship with God he is looking for. There are times when we have to take drastic measures and transplant ourselves to better circumstances. But in most cases, we just need to focus on getting the ingredients we need to flourish as Christians. Are you trying to get a tree to grow in the right, with the right mix of soil, water, and sunlight or working on finding the right balance of training, rest, and fuel? It can be tricky for sure. But most importantly, be sure to find the right mix of Scripture and prayer and don't forget to surround yourself with people who need to hear about God as well as those who will help strengthen your relationship with God. How did you come up with that one, Dean? I don't know. Sometimes I wonder that. Yeah, I'm not sure where that one came from, but I'll, that was uh, that was great. Yeah, thinking outside the box. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's something that uh, we talk mm-hmm. about a lot, mm-hmm. but we don't practice it very often. Yeah, a lot of times we we think about the binary decision of yes or no, or black or white, or whatever. The, or it's the way I've always done it. The way I've always done it. Yeah, and, we all have uh, our sacred cows. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think I was reading some. Uh, I don't want to get into, again, the politics of this thing, but I was reading the the, the back and forth recently about Elon Musk and Twitter hmm. and about, you know, some people are saying, ah, oh, Twitter is doomed. And other people are like, Twitter's going to be better. And it's, you know, there's it's just this big argument back and forth. And I think it's it's interesting to, to watch. But one of the things that is fascinating me about this whole Elon Musk thing and, and Twitter is that he's doing A-B testing right in front of us mm-hmm. right nobody's ever done that before yeah you know every marketing department in the world does a b testing sure. right where they they test something and then they pull back if it doesn't work or they they test one thing here and another thing here and you know they see which one does better he's doing it in real time mm-hmm. with the real thing <laughs> and in front of the whole world to see that's true i've and, not thought about that but yeah it's really really fascinating to watch but this is the thing about elon musk love him or hate him 
he does things in unconventional ways. Mm-hmm. And consequently, he's been very successful in a lot of areas that people thought there's no way he could be successful. True. And that goes to, to, to us, too, in our daily lives is sometimes we've got to try to figure out a whole new way, some way that nobody else is thinking of that fits our particular circumstances um, to, to make our circumstances what, what we need them to be. You know, when it's, you know, if we're talking about running and we're talking about the right amount of miles or intensity, the right amount of rest, and then that the, the correct fuel, um, we often, an excuse I think about is a lot of people say, well, I can't eat really good food because it's, it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, because organic food is all really expensive. Well, in a lot, in some cases, you're right, but there are alternatives mm-hmm. out there. But a lot of people, they they look into it just a little bit and then they give up on it because yeah. it's hard, and that's that's where I think that's what stops us often is it's hard. Um, if we need to get, um, you know, we we want to get in. Let's say let's say our goal is we want to get in 25 to 30 miles a week, and it's hard because we got so much, uh, so many other things going on. Um, there's probably a way to get it in, mm-hmm. um, but you got to think outside the box. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's I mentioned sacred. It's laying down our sacred cows. It's yeah. It's this is the way I've always done it. I can't do it another way. Mm-hmm. Well, if you keep doing it the way you've always done it, then you're not going to do it another way. But do you have the willpower to make that change? I think about people who, you know, you hear these types of comments a lot of. You know, people, somebody's got a bad temper. Well, I just come from a long family of, of bad tempers. That's just the way I am. No, it's not. You know, I I can't run. I've, you know, whatever. My, You know, f- you hear all the reasons for non-running, including my whole family's overweight or whatever. Mm-hmm. We all have the opportunity to make drastic changes in our lives. And those drastic changes are not easy, but they can be done. Um, but so many times we just, yeah, you're right. We just say, I, I, I can't. And most all of us can do whatever we're talking about, whether that's running or getting closer to God or getting up early or, or whatever it is. We we can, but we that word can't. We just we throw that word around way too much. Yeah, we do. We do, and the same thing goes for our relationship with Christ, right? Yeah, um, there's there's ways to do and think, and uh, that they're not maybe not conventional. Um, that works for us, and that's the that's the key to this is it, it, everybody's situation is different, I think, and so we have to figure out what's the best thing for us. I can't have peace because I'm losing my job. That has nothing to do with it. That's right, and that that's hard to hear. It is. First, I mean, I've been in times in my life where I would not have liked that statement. But yep. that statement is absolutely true. Yeah. Peace comes from God and God alone, not by the circumstances you're in. Amen. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help you build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that I put together on the Run For God station at J Radio. Every week I share a reason why running is so awesome. And this is the reason this week. It is the ultimate 
in multitasking. <laughs> you can you can do multiple things while you're running, right? Um, whether it's all running related, like you can monitor your breathing and you, the way your muscles feel all at the same time, or you can think about what you have to do later, or you can think about that problem you have with your lawnmower. <laughs> I think you need to get a new lawnmower. Yeah, you you've think? talked about your I lawnmower, talk about my lawnmower a lot, and, and yeah. how it's always broken. I think you need. I think for this Christmas, well, it's not really you, always broken though. See, I bought I bought a used lawnmower. You use used the word lawnmower. lawnmower in YouTube more than a few times on this podcast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, when you buy a used one, though, you know you got to fix it occasionally. Right? That's true. So, uh, yeah, uh, but I saved a bunch of money, and it's a better lawnmower today than the day I bought it. So, I mean, there's that, right? Until so, something goes wrong next spring. Until, yeah, that's until right. next spring, it's that's a better right. lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did this 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 past week. So I'm I had a track workout I wanted to do, and I was mm-hmm. I was doing this track workout, but I also. Um, the United States was playing in the World Cup and I wanted to see it. So I did my workout and then after the workout, I pulled up YouTube TV and watched the World Cup while I was doing my cool down. <laughs> so uh, talk about multitasking, right? Hmm. Watching the World Cup and my cool down at the same time. It's funny time. you said that because I thought here a while back I was out on the track. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not good with, I don't like headphones. Even the bone, all the ones, something about just things being in my ear. But I've wondered, I wonder if we can get a key to the press box at Cahulla Creek. How cool would that be to have the World Cup playing on the loudspeakers while you're doing your workout on the track? That would be pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. You're you're a coach there. They won't even give me a key to the bathroom. Huh, really? Say. Yep. Does Coley have one? Yep. We won't go into that right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> might be breaking some rules that would be cool to have because we did that a few times yeah when we had the opportunity with kids out there like when they were real young we would crank the music up play the music yeah uh, and that is just a really cool environment it makes a track work much more easier because you know track work is just true. the worst it's but true. when you got loud music it makes it better yeah 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 well <clears throat> there's a petition going around right now um which i thought was interesting about the men's and women's NCAA distances. You know that for championship races in the NCAA uh, cross country, the, the women run 6K, the men run 10K. And so there's this petition going around saying they need to make them both 8K. Who started the petition? I'm not sure who did it. Uh, but this has been talked about for years. It's not like this is a new thing. And apparently it comes up frequently and the coaches always vote it down. <laughs> now, I don't understand that personally why why that is maybe it's because the coaches have already designed their team for a particular distance and i i, I don't know but um but it, it, it's kind of weird but anyway it made me think about favorite distances what, what's your favorite distance for for races do you have one it's it's not 8k or 6k it's not 8K because i can't ever do the math <laughs> 5k 10k you can do the math. You though. can say your 5K time, and that means something when I hear it. 8K, I mean, Lane's been running college cross country now for two years, and I still don't – I have to go do the math and See, figure to me, out. 8K is, is easier than either one. Well, I haven't gotten there yet. It's basically five miles. It's basically five miles, but – Like 10 you know, seconds difference. Well, you know. It's – it's. But still, even five miles, I have to do the math in my head. Yeah. I mean – You just – if you say days. I run 15 flat for a 5K, 
that means something. But if you say I run 20 for an 8K, immediately that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. I have to go do a little math. And for that reason, I like the 5K and 10K. You got to do a little bit more. Um, how did it ever get? You, you got to do some fan stuff. To How did it ever get to men running 8K and women running 6K? How did it ever get there? Why? I, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, 5K and 10K has kind of been standard race distances for a long, long, long time now, hasn't it? Yeah, I guess you're, yeah, probably. How Just did it ever get numbers, to 8K? I don't know. I don't know that it wasn't something else before it was either one. But, well, I, at one time, races were three miles and six miles, mm. interestingly. Um, you know, if you look at Steve Prefontaine's times, you see a lot of three mile and six mile races, particularly really? across country. Yeah. When I was in high school, a lot of our races were three mile races. Hmm. They weren't five Ks. So we ran some five Ks, but we also ran a lot of probably more three mile races than, than five K. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know. See, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so you what's know, your favorite distance? My, you know, I like them all now. It, it used to be, here's what i used to love i used to love the mile of course i always i love i love always love the shorter stuff but I, I can't run the shorter stuff as well as i used to so i don't like it quite as much as i used to i used to hate the 10k i used to think the 10k was the worst distance in the whole world um, but i've run a lot more of them over the last but few what years, is so your like favorite if i had a favorite if you had to pick one to run tomorrow what would you run i probably like 5ks yeah yep because I, the math makes the most sense <laughs> That must be it. <laughs> that must be it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk about things that make sense. The other day, I was uh, I, I talking to somebody at church, and of course, everybody's talking about football. And then I brought up the World Cup, and they're all like, Whoa. "It was like, what <laughs> like you, you got three heads? What are you talking about?" Yeah. And uh, but I did stop. You know, I really, really, I thought about saying, "Well, I was watching real football," because you know that's what that's what you soccer say that that's what here. soccer. T- people like to say and i don't mean that i like football better than soccer for sure but uh, i just thought it would be funny to interject it but evan the and this shows my ignorance that the u.s is doing really well aren't they well they're, they're are they coming up in the final eight or something yeah by the time this podcast comes out they'll probably be done yeah but uh, they play netherlands in the round of 16 next week hmm. uh, so uh, it's kind of like the sweet 16 yes okay. yeah it, it is so does it bracket like on that. down is it that kind of like basketball it does okay. exactly like basketball at this point so mm-hmm. they start out and there's groups of four yeah um there's eight different groups of four and then they they whittle that down they play round robin they each play so you think by the time this podcast comes out they'll be done i do but we'll see okay netherlands is pretty good yeah um but you know we've looked good at times and not so good at other times so we'll yeah. see it depends on whether it's the team that showed up to play England or the team that showed up to play Wales. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, when talk about fitness level, how long do you think it takes somebody to lose? Somebody, you know, people talk about, I, I, I lost my fit. How long do you think it takes for people to lose their fitness? The The number that I've always heard and that I've, I've seen is – you cannot do a single workout for a couple of weeks and not lose fitness. You may lose some sharpness, mm-hmm. but you don't really start losing fitness for two or three weeks. Yeah. Don't know if that's completely right, but I've 
I think I've seen that hold true. I think I have too. And, but you hear a lot of people who mentally they're checked You miss out one workout. Yeah. yeah. And you're, yeah. it's over. Yeah. And in two weeks, it's like, I'm starting all over again. Yeah. No. And it just cracks me up to hear people say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at some of the, the top athletes, they may lose some sharpness, you know, some turnover and things like that. But as far as fitness, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. 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 I, it wouldn't it be great if there was a way to measure your fitness level where you could say, uh, you know, I'm a seven. <laughs> I don't, there's no way to do that. But wouldn't that be great if there were a way to, to, to figure out how to measure your fitness? And I guess, you know, you can look at resting heart rate and other things and VO2 max and some other stuff maybe. But there's no real way to say, here's how fit I am. Mm-mm. But it would be nice if there was a way to compare. And it would give you goals, too something to look forward to i'm a seven but i want to be an eight you know i don't know just interesting i thought about that's, that that's some deep thoughts dean yeah yeah well how about a trivia question for this week um this is a very simple straightforward trivia question and one that uh i i, I see pictures of this guy and it just it tickles me every time every time i see it so here's the question who is the oldest person to ever complete a marathon do you know that one I don't know the number. I think I have a picture of who you're talking about. Yeah, though. yeah. He's not from around here. He's not. No, yeah. you're right. So, um, the oldest person to ever complete a marathon. If you know the answer to that, or if you um, can Google it really quick <laughs> after you hear this podcast, it won't take you long to find this one. That's right. Send that to dean at runforgod.com. And if you're the first person, then you will get a twenty dollar. Twenty dollars off your order at Run for God. You've been having a lot more answers because of that twenty dollars, haven't you? Yeah, that's good. That's right. Yeah, so that's good. So Dean at RunForGod.com, be the first person, and you will win. Well, let me leave you with a motivational thought of the week. The motivational thought comes from Booker T. Washington, Hmm. and he says, "Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. I like that. Yeah. Kind of goes with the whole theme of the podcast today. It does. Yeah. That's one of the great things about running, too, is that it gives you lots and lots of opportunity to overcome obstacles. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and those obstacles, what's cool about it is that they're different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you, you want to run a 24-minute 5k right now mm-hmm. and you know there are other people who dream about running a 20 they're like they're, that's not even in the ballpark and then there's people like you that just laugh at me for running a 24 minute 5k well, i don't know if laugh would be a fair question i know my boys did yeah. i had zero sympathy when i set that goal that's the that's the problem with living in a house of runners <laughs> i said my goal i made the mistake first of telling them my goal for the turkey shot i said i want to run 24 minutes and lane was like Pfft. What do you mean? You can run faster than that. I'm like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> and and you proved it, by golly. <laughs> yeah, proved him wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, thanks for being a part of Run Club. May God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, man. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.